0: Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Brothers to the south, call you. Hey Zeus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call, them. and of course my red hot smoking wife, Carly, who is a stone cold fox. Mm. Also, want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton, Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake, dear Lord, baby Jesus. We also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and no the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. We- hey,
1: um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby.
0: Look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus, or teenage Jesus, or bearded Jesus, or whoever you want. You
1: know what I want? I want you to do this grace good, so that God will let us win tomorrow.
0: (sighs) Dear tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing... He was a a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party.
1: I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai.
0: I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with, like, an angel band.
1: Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up?
0: Yes, ma'am. Okay. dear, eight-pound six ounce newborn infant jesus don't even know word yet just little infant so cuddly mm. but still omnipotent mm. we just thank you for all the races i've won and the 21.2 million dollars woo 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 ow love that money that i have accrued over this past season also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates i mentioned power aid at each grace I just want to say that Powerade is delicious, Mm. and it it cools you off on a hot summer day, and we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. Amen.
1: See, I have, I have a lot of favorite things. I have um I have favorite pizza. Uh, by the way, if you want in on that, you can go to Pop Angelo's and ask them for a pizza with pig bacon, not Canadian bacon. Ask them for pig bacon. It's a whole different like the glory of the Lord will arrive, right? I I have I have favorite car. Uh like I know some of y'all know that I've dri- driven Fords for a long time, but let me just let you in on a secret. My favorite car to, car is not a Ford. It's a Chevy. I, I, yeah. See, I, I want. See, this is Redneck Sunday. We didn't tell y'all. Uh, that's why some of them are wearing orange. Uh, uh, the, uh, let's see. We love each other. We can jack with one. And see, I had y'all set up. I knew. See, I knew OSU was going to win, so I've been setting this series all up for just. And see, I, I wanted a Corvette since I was a little boy. I had, I had Corvette sheets, Corvette curtains. I had Corvette air. I wanted. I have, I have, um, I have. Uh, favorite music I have favorite teams still uh, I, favorite people right but I think what I'm bringing us to today is that for all of his laughable and his at times stomach turning theology uh, Ricky Bobby like most uh, like like Ricky Bobby most of us actually have a favorite Jesus now, uh, for many of us, that means we're right in the middle of the season that celebrates our favorite Jesus. We have glamorized and sanitized the nativity scene to the point that we've wrapped up our, our whole concept of who Jesus is as a sweet eight-pound, six-ounce, golden diaper, little bundle of baby God. And that's our favorite Jesus, and that's how we view him. Now, the problem with that is, is and there are several, but the, the first and foremost problem with that is, what do you do when Jesus doesn't show up like an eight-pound, six-ounce bundle of baby God? How do, we, how do we embrace and deal with Jesus when he doesn't fit our preconceived ideas of who he is? In fact, um, when we have a favorite Jesus, what n- normally happens is, is we find ourselves in the position described by Jesus in John chapter 5, verse 37, when he said this. He says, The Father who sent me has, has himself testified concerning me, but you've never heard his voice, nor have you seen him. In another version it says, You've never heard his voice, and you didn't perceive his form. And I think that a lot of times because we have this preconceived idea of who Jesus is, then when Jesus shows up in a different form, we don't recognize him because he's not that eight-pound, six-ounce bundle of baby God, right? See, I, in other words, God, when God fails to fit the form that we have designed for him, often we fail to recognize his voice and fail to recognize his presence, In fact, uh, let me put it in redneck terms, maybe in the deep theology of Ricky Bobby's smoking hot wife, Carly, because she was actually speaking great truth when she said this, he grows up. In fact, it's as close to any scripture you're going to find in that movie right there, I promise you. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 52, which says that Jesus grew up in favor of. With God and with man. He grew up in stature. He grew up in favor with God and man. It means he grows up. He doesn't always stay a baby. He's not always going to fit your favorite form. So my question to you this morning and over the next three weeks is this. What is your favorite Jesus? And what if Jesus shows up in a form that's not your favorite Jesus? What are you going to do? Now, again, for many of you... The infant baby Jesus is your favorite Jesus. I just want to let you in on this little secret here. Infant baby Jesus is not my favorite Jesus. We'll get to that one on, on the 18th, so I encourage you to be here. But even though infant baby Jesus is not my favorite Jesus, what I've come to grips with is that even infant baby Jesus can teach me truths. And that's where we got to get. That's that's the whole purpose of the next three weeks is to get you to come to the place where you will embrace Jesus in the form that he arrives in. And so let's go back and hear the story of this eight-pound, six-ounce baby bundle of God. Let's go back to where it began. Matthew chapter 1. Some of you are happy today because this is Christmas for you. This is your favorite Jesus right here. Matthew chapter 1. Verses 18 through 23 says this. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. And before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. That's a key phrase there. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so that Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure a way out, that's another key phrase. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves because he will save his people from their sins. This would bring the prophet's embryonic sermon to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which in Hebrew means God is with us. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hostel or the inn. Matthew chapter 2, verses 7 through 12 continues the story. Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east, pretending to be as devout as they were. He got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. Then he told them the prophecy about Bethlehem and said, Go find this child. Leave no stone unturned. And as soon as you find him, send word, and I'll join you at once in your worship. Instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared again, the same star that they had seen in the eastern skies. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. And they entered the house, and they saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. And overcome, they kneeled and worshiped him. Then they opened their luggage. They opened their luggage and presented gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In a dream, they were warned not to report back to Herod, so they worked out another route and they left the territory without being seen and returned to their own country. The infant baby Jesus is not my favorite Jesus, but. He teaches me truths that I need to embrace. The first one is this. Infant baby Jesus teaches us that salvation can be hard to discern and even harder to accept. Stay with me now. You need to go back and read Matthew again because Matthew says that when Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant, even though he's a noble man, he tri- the Bible says he tries to put her away quietly. That's a nice way to say he was trying to get rid of her. In fact, if you go on and read it, the Bible says that he didn't even perceive that the Holy Spirit had impregnated Mary, and so he he couldn't figure out what had happened, and so he tries to find a way out. Y'all stay with me now. Do you blame him? I mean, you think about this. Here he is. The Bible describes Joseph as a noble man. That means, let me use my imagination and and write, write my own notes between the lines, if you will, for just a moment. That means to me that Joseph has probably been planning for his marriage day all of his life. That probably means that he's kept himself pure and resisted from from temptation and he's tried to remain as pure as he possibly can and he's been moving up to this moment of marriage and he's all excited about it and now his fiance shows up pregnant. In other words, in the vernacular of today, she was damaged goods. That means his wife can't wear white on her wedding day. She's going to show up at her wedding uh, ceremony with a baby bump. That's not exactly what you planned. And Joseph, as noble as he was, because see, you've got to understand that in those days, Mary should have been killed. The law of the day was, if you show up pregnant outside a wetlock, they would take you outside the city gates and stone you. So Joseph is trying to find a way to get out of this thing. An infant baby Jesus shows up like that. It's not exactly easy or We don't always seem to have the ability to discern discern, or even accept salvation when it comes through life-altering, embarrassing, neighbors-are-going-to-talk situations. Hear me. Stay with me this morning. Infant baby Jesus demands that we learn this truth. God can use unexpected, uncomfortable and even unwanted circumstances to produce salvation in our lives. Joseph didn't sign up for this. This was not what he had planned. I'll just bring that to your attention because there are many of you this morning that haven't signed up for what you're going through. And you didn't plan on your life to turn out like it's turning out. This is not the script. This is not the plans that you had been planning for all of your life. Something has happened. Something has altered your life. You are finding yourself right smack dab in the middle of one of these situations where salvation is difficult to discern. And if you're not careful, you will be more like Joseph than Mary because Mary, when this happened, looked at God and said, Just let it be unto me as you have said. Joseph says, "Uh Uh-uh, I ain't in for this. I want a way out. Because it's not always easy to discern and accept salvation. The problem is, is that if we're not careful, what we will do is we will become like Joseph and we will throw away, we will dismiss, we will abort the provision that is wrapped up in our problem. I just came to tell somebody this morning during the Christmas season, if you're going through a hard time, if you're facing trials, if you're facing dilemmas, if this is harder than you thought it was going to be, hold on. Write it out. Keep plugging along that God hasn't forgotten you. And if we will get God's eyes and allow God to give us discernment, we will recognize that right in the middle of our problem, right in the middle of our pain, that out of that thing he can impregnate us with purpose. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, I'm pregnant. Come on now. Some of you are scared. <laughs> yeah. Somebody just had a heart attack. See, the truth is this morning is that the baby that is produced... In your pain may actually be the baby that produces God's purpose in your life We get so focused on pain and we get so focused on embarrassment and we get so focused on tears And often we get so caught up on what other people will think and we get all caught up in our own glorified Unrealistic expectations that we miss the very delivery of salvation that has been promised We think because it's been tough that God can't show up and what infant baby Jesus says to us is this it might be hard and it might not be what you thought it was going to be but i can still show up in that and i can still produce out of you birth the pain you're going through right now is nothing but birth pains now i can say nothing but because i have i've never experienced birth pains right i understand in my mind that it's painful but i've never encountered that kind of pain but i know this the ladies that have been in this room that have encountered that pain can also testify that the pain is worth it even when they want to just go back because they'd like to kill somebody, they still, I think, would say it is worth it. And what I am saying to you this morning is as difficult as it may be and as painful as it may be, even if God doesn't change your situation, you may be trying to find your way out when God is trying to find His way in. And we try to run away from what God is doing. You may be trying to get rid of the very thing that God has positioned in your life to produce purpose. Don't put something away that he's designed to birth salvation into your life. That's the story. That's what Jesus teaches us as an eight-pound, six-pound bundle of little God is that God can step into a mess and produce deliverance. The second thing he teaches us is this. Baby, Jesus teaches us that and I'm so glad for this, was more thankful for this this morning when I got up and got ready and looked in the mirror. Here it is. Baby Jesus teaches us that ugly is the new beautiful. That's what he teaches us. Because, see, I I know we've glamorized it, and I know we've sanitized it, and we we get this concept. We all have these little porcelain nativity scenes that are so so perfect and so clean. But I just came to to, to tell you that the nativity scene was not pretty. I mean, you think about this. Jesus' birth was overlooked. They didn't have any room for him. They could have made room for him, but they decided not to, and so they put him in a barn. If your mama's ever looked at you and said, "Were you born in a barn?" You can say no. But I know somebody that was. When a uh, how many of you have ever been? In, I know the answer from the OSU fans, but the rest of you. How many? I'm playing. I love y'all. How many of you have been in a barn? Ever been in a barn? Come on, raise your hand. See, I know we. I'm, I'm among friends. We've been in. How many of you know that a barn is not a sterile, germ-free environment to have a baby? I mean, what if Jesus had allergies? What if Mary had allergies? I mean, there are aromas coming out of that barn. I mean, there's like mule perfume. You'll get this here in a minute. There's sheep spritzer. I mean, there. There. you think if you've ever been in an active barn, you right. Have you ever been to the elephant display at the zoo? Okay, okay. It was not a nice environment. It's not like going through the mall and about 20 stores down you go, oh, I'm almost at Bath and Body. You can smell it before you can ever get there. That was not the experience Jesus had when he was born. This was a barn. Hay, itchy, dusty, smelly. You know what he teaches us? Infant baby Jesus teaches us this. God has the ability to turn the normal into the supernatural. If God can take a smelly, nasty, dusty, dirty barn and turn it and transform it into a motel for majesty, then what that teaches me is that God can take my pain and produce purpose and can take my tears and produce triumph and can take my broken heart and produce breakthrough. He has this ability to show up in the ugly things and to produce beautiful. In fact, what he teaches us is that that our mandate is to find the beautiful inside the ugly. That's what sets us apart. See, I, I just want us to understand that God brings beautiful into ugly places. And I need to tell you that because some of you are convinced that God has forgotten you. And worse, some of you actually sitting here today may very well think that God doesn't care about you. Because you are going through ugly things. Ugly situations, ugly circumstances. And you literally think God doesn't care. And what I came to tell you is that. And remind you is that Jesus has this habit of showing up in ugly places to produce life. In fact, we have a mandate on us, and we've got to learn this lesson. We've got to learn to discern the beautiful inside the ugly. Because if we don't learn that lesson, then my question to us is this. What are we going to do when ugly lasts for extended periods of time? What if your ugly doesn't end tomorrow? What if your ugly doesn't just pass away next week? What if your ugly lasts for... Weeks and months, years, decades, what are you going to do? If you don't learn the lesson that Jesus taught us as a baby, then you will get your eyes on the pain of your situation and you will miss the fact that God has given us and is anointing us with an ability to actually see beautiful inside the ugly. In fact, if we don't learn this lesson, let me tell you this. And I mean this, if you don't grasp this lesson, what will happen is you will begin to go through ugly things and you and you will fall back into the crowd of uh, John chapter five, verse thirty seven. And you will actually miss the form of God because God has a tendency to show up more clearly in the ugly places than he does the beautiful places. And the last thing I would say to you this morning is this, that baby Jesus teaches us that detours are often divine. I'm happy for this. Deters are often divine. I didn't read it to you, but you know the story shepherds are minding their own business. They're tending their sheep. They're doing life as they know to do it. They're interrupted by angels. The sheep are left behind to fend for themselves, and an unexpected journey is embarked on to find the promised one. What I did read to you is wise men from afar are are interrupted by a star, and they're set out on this winding path that finally leads them to the promised one. Here it is in a nutshell. You're expecting to watch sheep, but now you're worshiping a king. And you're expecting to look at a normal sky, and instead what you see is a star, an unusual star. And instead you find yourself packing for a journey that you didn't even expect to take to bring gifts to a king that you didn't know anything about. That's a teacher, by the way. When you're minding your own business, doing your own thing, that's a teacher when God intervenes. And I bring that to your attention because it teaches us this. We know that God went out of his way to get to us. That's the the story of uh, Christmas, by the way. God went out of his way to get to us. The truth that we've got to learn from this account is this. There are times that we are going to have to go out of our way to get to him. Y'all didn't hear me. There are moments in your life When you are going to have to take a different path and it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be convenient and it's not going to be the thing that you planned to do or that you wanted to do. But to get to Him, God is going to take you out of your normal routine and take you down a different path to get to Him. You may not be able to keep going the way you're going and find Him. Your life may not be able to go down the path that you had already scripted out. If you're going to get to him. But here's my question. If you have to take a detour. And that detour positions you at the foot of the king to worship. Wasn't it the right way to go in the first place? Detours can be divine. Let me just break it down for real practical. You expected wedded bliss. And instead you're battling it out. But if you end up at his feet. Isn't the detour worth it? You expected overflowing checking accounts. And instead, what's overflowing is your mailbox with bills. But if it brings you to this place where you are totally and completely dependent on him for your provision, isn't the detour worth it? Some of you are going through things that you would have never dreamed that you would have to go through. You're facing sickness and heartache and lack of provision and relationship issues, and you didn't ever plan on going this way. Now you find yourself on a journey that you didn't plan for. But let me just remind you, detours can be divine. It may just be that God is setting you up to try to get you to where you actually need to be. Why? Why? Well, let me take you back and take a little license with the, the text, I guess, maybe. The Bible says that when the wise men arrived and found Jesus out of the message Bible that I read to you, I love the way it says it. It says they opened their luggage and gave God gifts. What I want to say to some of you this morning is your detour is producing baggage in your life. In fact, I probably just need to be real honest with you and say that everyone in here has baggage. We all have baggage in our life. The detours that our life takes produces baggage. Here it is. Here it is in a nutshell. But if we will come to this place where we will open up our baggage to Jesus, gifts can come out and it can produce worship. I don't know what you've been through. Don't know where you are now. Many of you are really good fakers and you're hurting, and nobody knows it. Many of you are struggling right now to see God's hand of provision in your life, and your life has taken a turn that you never expected, and it doesn't look like salvation. It looks like destruction. I just wanted to stop by during the Christmas Jesus uh, season and remind you that infant baby Jesus teaches us that if we will get our eyes focused correctly and get the discernment of God in our life, we will recognize that, He can produce salvation in the ugliest circumstances possible. Which means we can't fight to get out. Joseph wanted out. And what I want to encourage you to do this morning is come to this place where you become like Mary and say, God, this ride is not what I thought it was going to be. And this is not easy. And I don't like this very much. And I would have scripted it differently. But you're God. And if you said this was going to be true. Then let it be done unto me as you have said. And I will carry this thing out. And I will give birth to the promise that you've given me. I was reminded. That if you fail. First grade. You know what happens? you got to go do it again. Right? If we escape, because some of you are trying to escape, if we escape the plan and the path that God has for our lives, can I tell you what happens? You have to do it again. It's just better to become Mary and say, God, you're God, and I'm in pain, and this hurts, and it's it's nasty and ugly, and I would choose a different way, but here's the deal. You're God, and so I will accept this thing, and I will believe that out of my pain will be produced salvation for me. That ought to bring hope to somebody in the crowd today that's been really struggling with what you're going through. And although he's not my favorite Jesus, infant baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce, little bundle of baby God, teaches me that salvation can come even when it didn't come like I thought it could or would. Father, you know the condition of our hearts And in my mind, as I look out over this congregation, knowing some of the stories and experiences of people sitting here, if there was ever a word that fit this body, it's this word. Many, under the sound of my voice, are going through unbelievable things. Some are tragic. Some are painful. Some are would be discouraging. Some would be hurtful. And if we're not careful, we will become like Joseph and we will fight our way out and try to find a different way to do things. And we will actually miss what you were trying to accomplish in our lives. So, Father, I speak encouragement over those that are struggling this morning. As they face off and square off against the pain of their daily life, physical issues, financial issues, relational issues, God, I pray that right now they would sense that what's going on is that they're pregnant. And all they're really experiencing is pregnancy pains. And if they can just hold on, if they can endure to the end, they will be saved. So, Father, I come against any scheme of the enemy, any attack of the enemy of discouragement. despair, depression. I come against it and we declare together corporately we will not give up until we see salvation produced in our lives and we will push past all the pain and all the inconvenience and all the finger pointing and people talking. We, we forget about all that. And we get our eyes on you and we ask that you would produce in us the beautiful. God, we recognize today that there are many times that you will not remove us from the ugly a lot of times we ask you to and you don't do it but we also recognize this morning that you can produce beautiful right smack dab in the middle of ugly and God I pray that you would begin to use us for that I pray that in the environments that we're in in the relationships that we're in in the circumstances we face I pray that infant baby Jesus would show up and somehow, some way, what should have been ugly what should have been destructive and what should have been discouraged, Instead, I pray that the beauty of Christ and the grace of Christ and the presence of Christ would shine bright in a dark place. God, I know there are folks here today that are walking a path they would have never chosen. They've encountered a major detour I pray today that they would recognize and understand. They may not be able to understand it with their natural mind. I pray that somehow deep within their spirit, they would come to this comprehension. This is a divine teacher. And when the trip is over, they're going to find themselves face to face with the king. And they're going to be able to lay their baggage down. And when they do, gifts are going to be presented as trophies. Guard their hearts, guard their spirits Guard their minds On this journey I pray in Jesus name Would you just stand with me this morning Infant baby Jesus is not my favorite Jesus But he teaches me these truths today You've got to grasp these truths I want you to take the hand of the person next to you Some of you I know because I know some of your stories. I know some of you are going through right now. Some of you don't. Some of you don't even know one thing about the person you're, you're next to this morning. That's fine. But some of you are actually literally holding hands with people that are in desperate, destructive, painful situations. They feel like giving up. They literally feel like giving up. You're their lifeline this morning. You're the hand of God holding on to them saying, don't quit. So I just want us to spend just a moment and then we'll leave. I I, I just want you to spend just a moment. And I want us to begin to pray for one another and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you in words of encouragement, words of life. Maybe you just need to turn to your neighbor and say, hey, don't quit. Don't give up. God's going to come through. I don't know. God knows what needs to be said. Father, this morning we obey you. I ask you right now, you would encourage the folks that were near right now. I pray that as we hold one another up, we would be encouraged in the Lord. We wouldn't let each other become weary in well-doing. We would hold one another's hands up and say, we got your back. We, we're in this with you. Please don't abort. Don't throw away. Don't give away what God has for you. This is your day. It's painful, I know. But you can't quit. You can't give up. God is in it. Come on, just begin to pray for your neighbor right now. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you as as you pray for them. Father, encourage them, we pray. Words of life and grace. I pray over my people today that they would become the beautiful and the ugly. That everywhere they go, everywhere they walk, work tomorrow, school tomorrow, neighborhood tomorrow, wherever they go, that they would be so marked by your presence that even in the most ugly, brutal situations and environments, as soon as they walk in, the atmosphere will change and beautiful will arrive. Father, I pray that especially for our movers. These people that we've been praying for for so many months now, over a year now, we've been praying for these folks to come into saving knowledge of you. God, I recognize today that in order for that to happen, they got to come to face to face with the beautiful that you are. And that comes as they come face to face with us. I pray that you would position us to be able to speak grace and mercy into people's lives and they would surrender their life to you and come into relationship with your son Jesus. During this Christmas season, I pray that you would position us correctly. And I pray that we would be willing to open our mouths and share the good news that Jesus can take ugly and make it beautiful. I pray that you'd help us to do that. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Love you.
0: It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more past resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.